With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, welcome to episode 5 of Comedians Talking About Football. I'm Sam Michael, and today we're talking about Tottenham Hotspur with David Alfie Ward. Tottenham actually are the first football team whose shirt I owned. Uh, For some reason, no idea why, my first ever football shirt was the bright neon yellow goalkeeper jersey with the elbow pads from the mid-90s. I thought it was the coolest thing at the time, but having looked back at some pictures of me wearing it recently... I look like I'm wearing a sleeping bag, which is actually what it felt like. I swear the material on old goalkeeper tops were thicker back in the day. Do you remember? I swear they used to feel quilted. (laughs) Anyway, I was a little nervous about recording this episode, you know, because not only is David a top comedian, but he's also part of the biggest Tottenham fan podcast in the world, The Fighting Cock. So I felt for him, you know, having to spend an hour in the company of old amateur bollocks over here. Uh, speaking of amateur bollocks, if you want to get in touch at any point, please drop us an email at comedianstalkingaboutfootball at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at CTAF underscore podcast, on Twitter at comfootytalk, or find us on Facebook, just search Comedians Talking About Football. Now, if you're a Spurs fan, no doubt David Alfie Ward needs no introduction, but let's take a little listen to him in action. But I used to go on double dates with two of my ex-girlfriend's friends, and they were two, uh, two really girly girls. And I used to go on the double date because in the back of my mind I thought, maybe. (laughs) The thing is, I used to always get my relationship compared to their relationship, right? And I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can compare a gay relationship to a straight relationship. I think there's too many fundamental differences. I'll give you an example. Our lesbian friends who's out there in general will be having a night in on a Saturday night. That we put a picture on Facebook, having a glass of wine, red wine, candles, cheese board, right? Romantic film. My girlfriend come running to me and go, look, David, look what Susanna and Jenna are doing tonight. You never do anything like that for me. And I'm like, but babe, they're two really girly girls. They both sit down, they both decide they want to do that romantic shit on a Saturday night. You can't compare a gay relationship to a straight relationship. She was like, yes, you can, you're just a fucking arsehole. I was like, no, you can't, right? So I went to prove her wrong, Covent Garden, right? And I went out and I got two really butch gay guys. And we started going on double dates with them. And I started comparing my relationship to their relationship. So I'd be like, oh, babe, look at Steve and John. 
watching football and not complaining about it. <laughs> Sucking each other's dick at halftime. <laughs> you never do anything like that for me. David, thanks for coming on the podcast. No worries, thanks for having me. I don't think I've ever met a Reading fan. No one has. That's the thing. You know, um, uh, no, it amazed me. You know, you think there with, uh, you say, you know, you're doing a Spurs podcast, you know, one of many, and you, you're bringing in up to 30,000 um, listeners. I don't think I've ever seen 30,000 at the Majeski Stadium. <laughs> you're the second person who's come on, actually, who already is part of a very successful podcast. So therefore, I feel quite nervous coming in here as a bit of an amateur. Of course, known by many Spurs fans from the Fighting Cock podcast. How did you get involved with that? I must have been about about four years ago now, but uh, I was on uh, guest on TalkSport. Um, I am uh, acquaintances with, with Paul Hawksby, who does the uh, H&J show between yeah. one and four. Okay. And um, I was on TalkSport just filling a gap. I'm, I'm sure sometimes Paul just... just message me or I'll message Paul and say oh I've got this to promote or whatever and he goes yeah come on this date and uh, I think one of the guys from the Fighting Cock heard me talking about Spurs because it was already a successful podcast before I even got involved and uh, and they said would you like to come on and uh, just as a guest at that stage and then it it ran a few years later I'm uh, I'm I'm still being asked on the Fighting Cock and uh, I, I go, go to their live shows and I've, I've gone on stage at their live shows and it's been just great, really. Really kick, kicked off. I didn't expect it. I mean, that's the dream, really, isn't it? When you, you, as part of work, you're just, you're getting to talk about your football club. Yeah, it was, it was great. I mean, I, I suppose um, we'll, we'll get into um, some of the stuff that the Fighting Cock has, has led, uh, some avenues that's, that's led to my career, not just in football as well, in, in comedy. So it's, it's been a, it's been a godsend and, and, uh, and the guys, Flav, who is, is the main guy that started it and, and Ricky and, um, uh, amazing people and I'm, I'm, I'm very uh, privileged to call them my friends now it's just not always with, with these guys just from being heard on the fighting cock because uh, the fighting cock depending on the result and the week and how good Spurs are playing in that current time can get anywhere between 15,000 to, to, to near on 30,000 listeners wow and just that you can you can just get stuff off the off the back of it in terms of but just one of the other guys a guy called John John Bass who is is on the fighting cock as well his missus is an executive producer for a TV production company called Expectation, and I've done TV warm-up for them just through knowing from the fighting cock. It's just like stuff like that. Um, and Amsterdam last year, just it, literally the Friday just gone. It was a year mm. on since that 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 crazy result. Yeah. Me and me and Carl Donnelly um, went out to Amsterdam for the show, and uh, I I work in Amsterdam a lot at, at the comedy club. So I, I messaged the guy that owns the comedy club and I said, listen, there are going to be 10,000 Spurs in Amsterdam for the couple of days that game's on. I said, why don't we on a day of the game do a two o'clock show? I take the tickets, the door sales, you take the bar. And nice. he said, yes, that sounds, sounds good to me. Um, so I said to, to Carl, let's go 50-50 on ticket split and just do half an hour each. And we just promoted it on the fighting cock. We, we went on TalkSport as well. Sold out 125 tickets. Wow. Um, 
yeah, the, the the owner of the comedy club must have been laughing because I mean it was a it was a Wednesday at two o'clock in the afternoon. The comedy club's not open at that time, and he's mm. taking about I think he was charging about six euro a pint. And people, <laughs> you're you're on a, you're on a European away day, you don't care. Do you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. the, the, and the greatest thing about it, Sam, was actually me and Carl were on the door, um, ticking people as they come in from you know the, the email confirmations, and a lot of people coming in on their own because they just had traveled to Amsterdam on their own and they didn't, mm. you know, they didn't know one. And they were leaving with other fans that they had met at the comedy show, which was, which was, that, that for me, I mean, selling out a show is amazing. And, and then we went into the square and we sung with, with fans and, and, and the Fighting Cock Boys were there as well. But it was just, um, it was something special that, that like they, people had come to the show on their own and then they had found people through, you know, sitting on the table at the comedy club and then they're like, come watch it with us. And they just found somebody to watch the game with. Oh, I love it. That's what it's all about. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that is the, to me always the magic of football in general that, I mean, I've been to games on my own before, specifically away games when I've lived in other, in other places. There is second you get there, someone starts talking to you, you get that community going. So to have that going on at the show that you put on must've felt amazing. Yeah. Yeah. What? Well, just everything about that trip. I mean, all, all come down to the, the fighting cock again, because, um, Two days, I, was, I flew out to Amsterdam early because I had to do a B, uh, BT Sport no filter thing through the fighting cup. Mm. They they approached um, they approached me and said, like, can, you know, because you're a comedian, that can, can we uh, can we do a bit with you about? And it was me and an IX fan sitting in a bar just talking, and it was so you know the worst thing about it, Sam. We were talking. It was the we filmed the day before the Liverpool game. Mm. And we were talking about the potential of playing Barcelona in the final. And BT Sport, <laughs> BT Sport had to... Uh, I, I texted the, the, the girl producing it uh, as soon as Origi scored. And I said, you've got to cut that, right? Because I will get... If, if that goes out, I, I, I'm never going to live it down. <laughs> <laughs> did they cut it or did it go out? They cut it, yeah. Oh, lucky. Lucky. Because <laughs> that, that is the thing, isn't it? You, you, if, you, if you get to a point where you're in a position of making some sort of commentary on football, no matter what it is, no matter how big or how small, if you get it wrong, they do not let it go. Oh, no, yeah. It's, it's, it's brutal. Uh, I mean, and I, I think the whole world, the, the, the wives and their dog would have called Barcelona to go through that tie. Yeah. Um, it was just, just the, the mere fact that they have a, they have a front line of, of Suarez and, and, and Lionel Messi and Lionel Messi, the, the best player to ever grace the field. And you think, well, they're going to get one. <laughs> right, and if they get one, that's it's game over. And it just, it just, it, it didn't. And, and I'm, so, I was so glad because I'm not gonna lie, I shit myself. Yeah. Right, because I thought if that's going out on BT Sport on their Facebook and their Twitter and their and live on on BT Sport, some some jumped up Spurs fans and they're you know looking forward to playing Barcelona in the <laughs> final. I think sometimes that Liverpool 4-0 game kind of can, again, with all respect, can overshadow what Tottenham did against Ajax. Both English teams, absolutely amazing to, to get to that final. It, amazing semi, best semi-finals in Champions League history, in my opinion. Yeah, it was, um, it really was. I think uh, it was a, the craziest 48 hours of football I've ever seen. But, um, and I, I don't know if it overshadows it because... You know, okay, I'm a bit biased, but I would I would say that the Tottenham comeback, being away from home, being having 45 minutes to do it, um, is is the greater comeback. But you know, 
Yeah. Don't want to start <laughs> but you would fight. say that, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, but yeah, to be fair, it was also a dying second goal as well. I do remember watching that game and thinking, I don't feel like it's over just yet. Where I'm such a regular in Amsterdam at the comedy club, I probably go there about four times a year. I have a, a lady friend that uh, I uh, visit sometimes when I'm in town for a drink and, you know, sometimes stay at hers because my hotel was out of the way, you know how mm. it is. I left at half time. I went to the KFC because uh, me and Carl and the Fighting Cup boys couldn't get tickets. I mean, tickets were gold dust. Mm. And we watched it in this pub that was just taken over by Spurs. Nice. And I left at half time, worse for wear. So I went and got a Zinger burger and I texted my uh, female friend and i said what are you doing i'm gonna come over and she said i'm working late tonight and i went oh, i'll go back and watch the second half well i mean good choice <laughs> good choice you know <laughs> I, I i i sometimes think they're in a p- parallel universe or dimension or whatever there's me just getting my end away and then going i'll just check the score I'll just check the full-time score and then just you know, just crying because I'd missed it, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, it's that's probably, the thing. I mean, probably shout- <laughs> I mean, David, I don't know who this lady friend of yours is, but <laughs> would she be worth, uh, would she, would she worth <laughs> missing a 90, you know, a 94th or whatever it was minute goal it winner? <laughs> no, it was a 96th minute. I don't, I don't think any woman is. I mean, I, 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 and I mean that with, with all respect. I mean, I'm a married man, but I do remember purposefully kind of planning our wedding on, I think, um, an international break weekend, knowing that I wouldn't be missing anything. Oh, that's, yeah. It's, well, my friend was getting married before he actually got postponed through Corona, but um, we were waiting for the TV fixtures to be announced so we would know if we'd bloody missed the Tottenham Everton. But we're all tired. We're like, oh, like, please, can it get moved to the Sunday, please? Because we're going to have to miss it. <laughs> Tottenham Everton. <laughs> there's so, somewhere there's an amazing documentary. I think it's on YouTube. You, you hear about all these documentaries at the moment, the Man City documentary, Sunderland Until I Die. But in my top, it's got to be in my top five football documentaries of all time. It's a little show about weddings that the BBC must have put on about 20 years ago. And it's one episode is just about a Newcastle fan who's getting married on the day of the FA Cup final from 99 against Man United. Right. And it is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. He's literally, while he's waiting for, while the bride's walking down the aisle, he's got this like radio plugged in in one of his ears. Yeah. And you can see him going, go on, go on. Like she's literally walking up the aisle to this like beautiful music. And he's just going, go on, go on, go on, no, no. It's honestly, if you can find it. And I say that to everyone. I'm going to watch that. It's one of the funniest things. We get a lot of questions on uh, the fighting cock of like, oh, lads, like, you know, cause it, especially when we were really good, like three, four years ago and we was kind of going for titles and stuff. But we would get a lot of questions of like, oh, it's my wedding, but, you know, it's a vital game or whatever. What should we do? And I don't, I mean, you, you're asking a bunch of fucking Tottenham mad lads. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't think once we've ever sided with just get married, mate, you know? just. <laughs> <laughs> start then with your your lifelong love affair with Tottenham uh it's my family's club so um I wasn't really given much choice so my dad's Irish my dad's a United fan but right. I've been I've always more sided with my my mum and my mum's side of the family and so my mum is her brother's got a Tottenham mad um and I was uh, I was never given a choice really and I mean I was born in 91 so growing up 
supporting Tottenham in the you know the late nineties, early two mm. thousands when I would have really got into it. It was fucking tough, man. Mm. So, I mean, I remember my uncle taking me to the um the four three Man City game where we were three 0 up. Joey Barton had been sent off. Yeah. Two thousand and three around there. And Joey Barton had been sent off, three 0 up at half time and we lost four three. And I remember walking out of the park lane with my uncle looking up at him and, and, and I was about 11 years old and I said why do you make me support this shit <laughs> <laughs> and what was his answer to that how do you ask I think he just about 11 yeah about 11 <laughs> I was allowed to swear at football that was the deal I was allowed to sorry, don't tell your mum but you know once we go through them gates yeah. you're going to hear things and yeah. I was allowed to say the odd shit maybe or you know and uh, and I can't remember exactly his reaction, but I think I remember he he rolled up his program and stuck it under his arm and probably just shrugged and probably thought, yeah, why am I making you support this shit? <laughs> you know I mean? Obviously, growing up in the in the late 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 nineties, early two thousands, it was it was tough. I mean, Ginola, I don't really remember Ginola too much. I think he was just before you know, just before I really kind of understood football and how good he was. So I think it was it was Berbatov was the first player I I saw and I thought, wow, this guy's on a different planet. And I think Berbatov really helped me fall in love with football. I think just because of how it can be played so gracefully. Yeah, I mean, I I always liked Berbatov, and I liked how you don't get too many of this these days. He's very kind of like almost sociopathic looking footballers who just kind of get the <laughs> job done. Do you know what I mean? They're the likes yeah. of like a bit like Skulls. You know what does what does Skulls enjoy in life? Because it's not football, but he's very good at it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just this almost psychotic look on their face of, I'm out here, I'm getting the job done. Yeah. I'm not going to enjoy it. <laughs> I'm just going to get shit done. Do you remember uh, uh, Tottenham left-back Benoit Rassu Okota? Yes. Would openly admit uh, that he hated football. He, <laughs> he, you know, he would, he would, uh, there was interviews of his, his teammates and they would like, be talking about, I don't know, the Champions League final or whatever, a big game that was on the night before. Him, but I, I don't like football. Like, this is a, the best paid job I can get. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's a job to me, but I don't like football. I didn't know about it. He was that not into it. Again, and again, yeah, he's one of these people who didn't look like he enjoyed his game, but... Yeah. I'm happy. I'm now a way to get me suit measured. Yeah, what I'm going to do is, as well throughout this podcast is uh, I'll give you some emergency facts about, okay. about Tottenham that you may or may not know. Um, and I'm going to hit you with one now because you brought him up, David Ginola, uh, my mum's second favourite footballer of all time. My mum had a very big thing for David Ginola. Um, that's I think not a the lot fact. of women did, didn't they? No, they did. Oh, they did. <laughs> that's not the fact. Don't worry. Um, no, did you know he caused quite a lot of controversy because he was voted both the um, uh, the Football Writers Association Player of the Year and the Footballers Players Association of the Year. So, yeah, the player of the year from both camps uh, in the 98-99 season, so the treble winning season for Man United. And people, there was a lot of uproar that a Man United player didn't win it that season. It was David Ginola picked up both awards. I knew that he won one of them. I think it was the player's player. Um, That's it, yeah. Or the, yeah. Um, but I didn't know that he, he won the, the, the PSA or whatever. But I didn't know he won both. No, but I, I do know because it's one of the rare things in the 90s that Tottenham fans could say, oh, well, we... <laughs> We had a player, and uh, oh, yeah. Well, I think didn't you win the League Cup that season? 
99. Yeah, against um, Leicester, wasn't yeah. it? Uh, yeah, are we against? We had ten men, or did they have ten? Oh, again, um, who scored? I who scored that goal? No, Nelson, Nelson, Nelson. Yeah, in the last last minute of, uh, of of normal time, I believe, in stoppage time, I believe. Um, again, I was quite. I was eight years old, so seven years old. So it's kind of one of those things that was not really. But it was great. It was um, great. It was the manager it was. Uh, Graham, George Graham, sorry, George yeah. Graham, yeah, and uh, they would never sing his name over Spurs. They would say the man in the the coat is blue and white army or something. Oh, did they? I didn't mm. know that. Well, they'd never, never sing, sing his, his name. name. They, he won him a cup essentially, but um, yeah, was it? The, the man in the overcoat is blue and white army or something like that. And there'll be Spurs fans listening to this, and they'll know more than me, but because they're old as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, me- I remember. I have a vivid memory of that final. I remember watching it. Um, and there's the best kind of scuffle between Robbie Savage, and I think it might be just in Edinburgh. I, I have more knowledge on the 91 Cup final where I wasn't even born than I do with this 99 <laughs> Cup final. I mean, it is a very random one. I mean, not many people kind of, oh, where was it? But anyway, if you can find it, it's, oh, it's just this fantastic bit where they have a bit of a scuffle, and it ends on them both kind of slapping each other. It's a proper right. kind of a Pat versus Peggy in EastEnders kind of. It's a full-on like bitch slap each yeah. on each. It's one of the funniest things. I think that's what ended up in a red card. I think it might have been Savage who got a red card. I might be completely wrong. As I said, it's it's quite an obscure reference. This one. I mean, you got no, into a Champions oh. League final last year, and here we are talking about the League <laughs> Cup final from '99. <laughs> but that's how we roll on this podcast. <laughs> Edinburgh trying to get away from Savage, oh, and there were arms raised there. Savage sees yellow and Edinburgh sees the red. See, I always think of the 91 Cup final because Terry Venables, you know, it was a very young, um, we played a very young, good Nottingham Forest team. And actually Teddy, uh, Terry Venables actually said, they don't like it up They're young, just get in their face. Get every, and there's this uh, famous bit where Justin Edinburgh and somebody else are teaming up on, on Roy Keane and uh, a young Roy Keane calling him some very questionable things well that that, that no, I 91 that. I, I know that part that 91 cup final breaks my heart a bit because of Gascoigne yeah yeah so <laughs> sad because you just he feel was like... like on drugs or something they, they, everybody I know that was at that cup final they said that they were watching because he was our prize player that you yeah. kind of watch him warm up right and you can see if, especially I, I never saw Gaza play but um especially with with a player like Gaza I think it, it, it all comes down to what kind of mood he's in he's mm. in if he's up for it, then the opposition don't have much of a chance against him. But if he's going in half-hearted, he's not up for it. So my friend said, and a few I've heard this from a few people, they watch Gazza in the warm-up and they they all what the fuck's he on? Like, he's on something. <laughs> and and lo and behold, the game kicked off and uh, he decided to go and you know he should have been sent off really. Yeah. If he if if he hadn't broken his leg so bad and it wasn't the early nineties. I, he would have been sent off, hundred percent. Oh yeah, know. no, no way. Now, I mean, it's a bit like how in 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 World Cup ninety, they they showed that again yesterday because they're of the BBC are running kind of these FA, uh, sorry, these uh, World Cup rewinds, and they showed the nineteen ninety semi final against Germany, and I remember at the time that tackle, considering it was nineteen ninety, they said it was very unjust that he got a yellow card and and so on. But actually, right, yeah. you look at now in modern football terms, you think, yeah, that's a yellow. <laughs> Um, yeah, but, it was but, late, wasn't it? 
But I mean, he, he, I just felt for him because he always wanted to lift a cup at Wembley. I think that's just what he lived for. And the fact that he was so close to it, and yeah, then, it, yeah, you know, and he, the fact he didn't sad. get to do it. And I think it's all those little opportunities he missed out on that resulted in him kind of losing his way a bit, really. But, I mean, he's, anyway, he's a Jordan. What was this? I've now gone back to what was the Ginola fact? That was that was just it, yeah. That he won oh, the two yeah, awards. Sorry, yeah. There's some better. I'll hit you with another one there. Um, okay, another another emergency fact here. Uh, Tottenham's the only team to have won the FA Cup while still playing uh, their trade outside of the football league. Spurs also became the yeah, first team. Nineteen oh one. Oh yeah, he's got it straight in. Yeah. Straight in. Nineteen oh one. And I'm going to hit you with some, some fact that you might not know at some point. <laughs> you were talking a bit about you know the Champions League run um, last year. Obviously, is that would you say that's probably been your highlight of being a Spurs fan in your lifetime? Yeah, yes, I would. Um, it was just it's magical, and I think um, I think a lot of people that don't really understand football will say, "Oh, but you know they 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 won nothing essentially, so they got nothing to show for." It. It's, uh, but you can still celebrate such a run and, and, and the memories and the, the, the jubilation it made you feel. And just that that whole run, if you look at it from, we were really bad in the group stage. We, we got off to a really bad start. We should have been out uh, about three or four times in the groups. I remember um, going to Wembley, actually. We played PSV. We were 1-0 down within the first couple of minutes. Um, and Harry Kane scored two in the last five. One of them was a really, uh, it was a, it was a really deflected. He, he, it was at the back post, and he went to header it back across the keeper, and it's hit their defender's bloody arse or something, and gone in the near post. Mm. A really lucky, you know, scrappy goal to win the game, and that gets us it's vital points that keeps us just alive. But then we have to go to the new camp and get. A, we have to match. Into Milan's results, um, and you know, luckily Barcelona had already qualified. But I mean, they had still they were they were they were playing Usman Dembele, and you know, they, they're not they're not crap just because it's not Lionel Messi. They're not shit players, you know. This is, mm. and we had and we go one nil down to Usman Dembele in the first because because then Pochettino decides, oh yeah, I'll play a, a weakened squad as well. And he plays people like Carl Walker Peters at the new Camp. <laughs> Sometimes, I mean, I love Pochettino to bits, but sometimes he made some weird decisions. And um, and we're one nil down, and then we we hear that uh, that, 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 that it's one all at PSV, and um, uh, Inter Milan is one all, and we and then Lucas equalised a great bit of play by Harry Kane, ball in Lucas equalised, but then we're holding on and we're just waiting for that full time. And I remember where where I was watching that game, so the fighting cop do something called the socials where uh, we hire a bar and uh, about 200 listeners can come down and watch it. So it's a real kind of, you're not a mixed pub with different teams. It's just Tottenham, 200 Tottenham watching it on a big uh, projector screen. It's it's an amazing atmosphere, right? Of course, our game game finished first. So we knew we we weren't through yet because we, uh, so then you know how they they shift the, 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 the camera to the other game. Yeah. So we're watching... Inter Milan and Inter Milan have gone through on goal and one of the best tackles I've ever seen, Sam. I'll have to, I'll send you it on Facebook, like from yeah. this PSV player to deny a goal. And then Icardi puts one over. I think it's a header. It was like the most intense, horrible. I've got, I've got chills just thinking about it 
right now because it was horrible to watch. Um, <laughs> but they hold out. PSV hold out. They get the draw. Tottenham are through into the into the Champions League knockout stages. Yeah. And then and then we get Dortmund. And uh, Dortmund are a high flying team. Uh, Jaden Sancho is, is really making a name for himself, not just in the Bundesliga, but on the world stage now, you know? And, um, and we destroy him. We, we destroy him. They, they come to Wembley and we, uh, <laughs> aging Jan Vertonghen has Sancho in his pocket and scores a screamer. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> and, which was great. That was the only, that was probably the only fixture of that whole Champions League run that we thought, oh yeah, we've got this in the bag. Cause it's free. It's free nil by the first leg. And then, uh, obviously we get Man City and it's our first game back at the new stadium yeah in the Champions League and um, and we we win it was a tense game I was there it was a tight the sun nicks us a goal about 20 minutes ago and we, we take a 1-0 lead back to the Etihad and everyone knows what happens there like it yeah. was again we had um, we had a social for it so I think we we were at capacity of about 250 people and I had a friend that came over from Australia um we we were standing in central London and it was a lovely weather and we, we went on a park. Well, basically, we walked along the Thames and every pub we saw would stop for a pint, right? Go back mm. to the hotel, change and we go to the social. We're already half cut and then just the most manic of 90 minutes, Sterling scores in five minutes in. You think, Tottenham, keep it tight. Sterling scores. Fuck. Then Sun goes down the other end and scores and then Sun scores again about two minutes later. It was the... I think that might have been more crazy than the Ajax semi, just just <laughs> for the sh- sheer emotion, because it just and then obviously that Aguero offside, you know, <sighs> fucking hell, man! I, I don't know if this is what you was, you wanted me to to relive. No, whole, this is no, this is exactly right. it. No, go, go go for it, mate. And uh, so so at the social is a big long bar. It's under like a railway. So it's, it's, it's an arch shaped bar and right at the end is the big screen and then just to the right of the screen is where me and the fighting cock boys usually stand and uh and that sterling goal you could it was you could just feel the heartbreak 250 yeah. 300 people it was it was awful yeah. and there was one girl i don't know who she was just a, obviously a listener a tottenham fan she was screaming it's offside it's offside and I, I remember hearing her, but just I turned away from the screen. I just, I, I, was, I mean, it's, it's, it's Tottenham, it's typical Tottenham, you know, we just were that close to a Champions League semi final. And, uh, and, uh, and then they, are, they checked it, and it was, it was fucking about half a yard offside, not even that much. Mm. And it's fucking Christian Eriksen, because he could have just held the ball or just punted it as far as possible. He tried to play a little pass inside. Why? Why? Lucky man. Oh, I, I remember watching that one as well. I, I forget um, Potch falling to his knees. Like, you know, all the emotion came out at full yeah. time. But I love how he just remembered to unclip his Rolex before he <laughs> fell to the, If you watch him, he sort of unclips the Rolex and goes, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in tears. I, you know, he did that beautiful speech afterwards. Uh, and again, I, mean, I think I, it was I, that I'm match or the next one, but I just remember him That's taking that Rolex one, off. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah, it was the next one. Next Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I think I think everybody in that in that stadium was just shocked. I remember um, I remember climbing up on top. They had, they had this big, massive barrel thing that was like there for decoration. It was like an old whiskey barrel, but it was huge. And I climbed on it, and 
I, I, I remember getting on there and thinking, oh, fuck, this is very stable. And I don't know if I can get down. And then all the Tottenham fans thought I was just like doing it to celebrate. And they started going, you know what I mean? I was just like, I can't get down. I'm, I'm really scared. <laughs> and then we go to the semi. And obviously, I mean, that is, we, we lose 1-0 at home and, and we've got it all to do. And I, I just, I mean, so we had the show in the day and then me and Carl went out and got some lunch. We went and met Flav, uh, Kayvon and some friends from the Fighting Cock and stuff. And we found this bar and, and um, it was just, we, I, remember, I remember that Ziet goal going in and thinking, oh, that's it, and it's done. It's just, it's so done. And even the first Lucas Moura goal, uh, I didn't celebrate. And I remember my friend Kayvon said, come on, believe, believe. And, uh, and then the second one, I celebrated a bit, but I just thought, no, just. And then, I don't know if you remember, but Vertonghen hit the bar about the 86th minute. Mm. And as a yeah. football fan, you know, you get that chance. You, you get, in any big game, that's end-to-end, you'll get one chance. You'll get one big chance and you have to take it. And that was it, I thought. Because it hits the bar, it comes back to Vertonghen, and he, he strikes it and then it gets cleared off the line. And you think, that's it. Like, and the mentalist thing, Sam, is, is Ajax, there was five minutes added on. Ajax had a, a goal kick at 94 minutes, 20 seconds. Mm. Like, they had a goal kick. <laughs> and then 30 seconds later, the ball is in the net. Oh, the goal, in my memory, I mean, God knows how it must have felt to actually be a Spurs fan. I mean, I'm always the way that, look, I'm never going to be able to enjoy Champions League football as a Reading fan. But I always back the English teams. And just that goal, I swear, is the slowest goal I've ever seen in my life. Like, the it way just it just trickled, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> I um I remember Flav being he had his hands in the air you know like in a in a wide shape just just froze yeah and I I broke down in tears I was on my <laughs> knees in tears in this bar and it, it felt like the bar it just reality had gone in slow motion I don't even know where Carl Donnelly was at this stage <laughs> I remember my friend came on picking me up because I was on the floor and he's like get off the fucking floor of the bar it's filthy down there just. I don't know. We all spilled onto the street and just you're know, hugging people you'd never met. And just, uh, it was, I mean, and it, it's, it's almost anti-climax thinking about it because of how the final was. And I was at the mm. final and I, I'll never watch that back in my life, but um, it doesn't mean that I can't enjoy that moment. You know, I, I think a lot of fans, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of stupid Twitter football fans will make it sound like you can't enjoy that, that semi-final moment because you did fuck all in the final, you know? But that's not what football is, essentially. It's not no, all about... No, it's not. I mean, it, I mean, I think you nailed it there when you said a lot. some football fans and some not, you know, and you can tie them in, really, with non-football fans don't understand it. I mean, to me, what, what you're describing is, it's the whole experience of it. I mean, they, these uh, sort of social things you, you're putting together with, um, you know, with the fighting cock, that sound amazing. Do you know what I mean? If there was an opportunity to do that with my club, I'd absolutely, I'd be there every week. You know, yeah. the whole atmosphere of it, being with other fans, that is what it's all about. I think it's a, a, a big reason why we'll always remember World Cup 2018 massively. It's one of those World Cups where everyone's just happened to be out. You know, screens were going up in yeah, town centre, screens exactly were going up it. in cities. And, and that's a good feeling, right? Podcast. Remember that Columbia uh, penalty shootout? Yeah. Do you remember how that made you feel when everybody oh. in whatever, the pub or whatever you felt, right? Yeah. I remember how that made me feel. Time's up by 50. And that's how the Ajax goal, that, that Lucas Moura goal made you can't, me feel. You can't even sell that it as just, an illegal high. 
No, honestly, like, and I mean, we was in Amsterdam. I think there's a lot of people on on stuff already, and <laughs> I, can, I just imagine. I, I don't know how their mind didn't explode at that stage. <laughs> As I ask anyone, everyone who comes to the podcast, what do you say has been the lowest or maybe most embarrassing time of being a Tottenham fan? Two thousand. 15-16 season when Tottenham lost the league or the, again Tottenham lost the league I mean I, I'm 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 saying that Tottenham were never f- first that whole season when mm. they were going against Leicester so I don't know why I've even said that to be quite honest um, but when Tottenham were fighting for the league and it looked like uh, we were gonna we might have a chance we kind of you just everyone thought right I mean Tottenham were the, the second best team that season without mm. a doubt but and everybody thought that Leicester thing wouldn't last you know, yeah. Even going into the last few months of the season, you think they're going to fall away. They've got a thin squad. They're going to fall away. Tottenham ended the season at Newcastle, the last game of the season, and me and my friend Gary <laughs> booked uh, trains from London, hotels, and tickets in the Newcastle end because we couldn't get them in the Tottenham end. Before, well, if we're lifting the title, I want to be there. I don't care where I'm sitting. I want to be there to see Tottenham lift the title. Of course, by the time the game had come round, the title had gone. Uh, Battle of the Bridge and whatever but me and Gary were like well we've paid for the trains we've paid for the hotel paid for the match ticket might as well just go up do you know what I mean have a piss up in Newcastle why fucking why not and uh, so we go up there we sit in the Newcastle end and we know that we need at least a draw for this above Arsenal for the first time in like 20 years or whatever and we get battered 5-1 mm. <laughs> and I remember I mean growing up I grew up in, in East London uh, my friends at Tottenham West Ham and Arsenal were very yeah. kind of evenly split. And um, my two best friends in the world are, are Arsenal fans, but I, we couldn't even get a draw to finish above Arsenal. I mean, the title was gone. But just finished above your arch rivals, for fuck's sake. But I'm walking out of St. James's Park and uh, and my phone is belling up Arsenal fans. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been my lowest point, yeah. Really? That then? So, because did you... Did you... You must have spent the majority of that season thinking we're probably going to nick it near the end. Of course, you, you do start to think that because you, I mean, I'm not going to lie, Sam, again, biased, but you look at us and Leicester, we were playing amazing football. They wasn't, you know? Mm, they were playing, yeah. they had Hoof and Morgan at the back, Brute and I'm not saying, listen, it won in the fucking league, but we had maybe the best ever Harry Kane. Uh, I, I think injuries might have kind of interrupted him becoming a better player than he was that season. Deli Ali scored almost 20 goals. You know, yeah. Hunmin Sun. We had a great Moussa Dembele, uh, Batonga and Ordeviroad at their prime. You know, Danny Rose, Carl Walker. What, what a team. You know? Yeah. We were, and you just think, we're going to nick it. I remember we went to Stoke and uh, and it would have put, uh, put us a couple of points behind Leicester at that stage because of the, the the match day fixture. It was a Monday night fixture. And um, it put, would have put us a couple of points just behind. And we just blew Stoke out the window. I mean, Stoke, a, a team that you, Tottenham never really blew out the window because we'd always succumb to their kind of fuggishness. But I think uh, I remember Kane just bending one in about five minutes in, just, just right bending it for outside of the box into the far corner off the post. And you think, fucking hell, we're going to do this. Mm. You know? I, I don't know. I'll tell you what, David, normally at this point of the uh, of the podcast, I ask, what do you want to see from your team 
for the remainder of the season? What do you want to see from them next season? But it's a difficult thing to ask at the moment. <laughs> uh, so instead, I, I want to ask, how do you think it's going to feel to walk into New White Hart Lane the first game when football is back properly? How's that, how do you think that's going to feel? I think it would just be a sense of relief, really. Um, sense of relief until they kick off and realise how shit they are again. But, I mean, just, <laughs> just, just a relief. I mean, you know what I was saying, thinking is, I mean, it's no, it's no um, denying that Tottenham need investment. I had, I had a, a squad that needed to be turned over two or three years ago and had that two transfer windows that they, they didn't buy anything. Yeah, and you think, well, the the last window, uh, Lacelso looked a very handy little player. We got that Bergwin from uh, the Dutch league, who looks again got the physical attributes to to be a good Premier League player. And you think that's a couple of positive signings, right? But we need maybe two or three more windows. And I just think going back now after this, the world is going to go into uh, a real financial crisis of kind of um, because of what's happening, and. I just don't know if, if buying, spending millions and millions and millions is going to be acceptable on footballers, you know? Were you excited with the appointment of Mourinho? Do you think he's the right man for the job? So, <laughs> when the rumours were about Pochettino being sacked or leaving the club and stuff like that, Flav did a thing where he called all the fighting cocklot and we all just gave a five-minute kind of um, reason of, well, we potch in or potch out. And... Um, and I said, I was very on the fence, but I said, I do not want Mourinho. And then about three days later, Mourinho was appointed. And um, it's, it's tough, right? Because you look at his track record and what he's won, and there's, there's, there's no doubt that he is was a very, very talented football manager. And, and when his footballing manager career is over, when he decides to pack it up, he will go down as a Hall of Famer kind of, you know? Yeah. Um, but the way he, he was at United, quite worrying, the way that he threw players under the bus and stuff like that. Mm. He's already started that at Spurs with um, with Tangi and Nobile, who looks like he's going to be, he's got the attributes to be a very good footballer. Out of shape, not really motivated. You can tell that. He's one of these players that I oh, would probably do really well under Harry Redknapp, you know? Right. But... The last game that I went to was Tottenham Burnley. It was a one-one draw. It was a shit game, and he pulls off Dombele at half-time, and then in his after-the-match presser says how he's not good enough or he's not performing enough and stuff like that. And it, for me, it just felt like you're not you're not long in this club, Jose. Just why don't you just try and be nice for it? I don't know <laughs> if that's how you're going to get your, the best out of your players. And I, I'm I'm scared that you look at someone like Nagelsmann. Who, the the uh, RZ Leipzig um, manager, and he's progressive. They they play in triangles. They press high. They 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 keep the ball well. You know, and and I don't know if football has progressed past what Mourinho did 15 years ago. Right. You know, I, I'm not saying it has because you know this man is a footballer and he knows more about football than I. He's forgotten more about football than I know. You know. Mm. So who am I really to, to, to judge? But it's always going to be a worry when you see his his recent track record isn't hasn't been great. But we'll see. Is the ghost of Poch going to be there for a long time? And what on earth happened? Like, how do you go from like you said in 2016, nearly winning the Premier League, t- top end European finishes, 
after that and then a Champions League final. How did this campaign go so wrong? It's, it's, it, it all comes down to lack of investment, really. And it, there's one game that always stands out about 2018, 17, 18 season. We play Liverpool at Wembley and we blow them out of the water. Beating 4-1, we, we are so much better than them in every aspect of the pitch. Liverpool go on and, and, and buy uh, one of the best goalkeepers in the world, one of the best centre-halves in the world, right? And add a few more players and they got the, the left back and, you know, um, but they made two key signings because it was quite obvious what was that they needed a, a solid back line, you know? Mm. And Tottenham went on and didn't buy anybody for two years, right? Tottenham went on and had the same squad and essentially have still got the same squad now as they had in 2016, you know? And yeah. th- those players have either declined or, or uh, have stagnated, you know, and um, or stuff like Dembele's left. And Dembele was such a good player, like mm. so underrated. And you just don't replace them overnight. And it, and we haven't invested. And now look at us. We've, we've fallen out of the top uh, four. We're probably not even the top six side at the moment. And it just, if you look at us at Liverpool where, you know, Three four years ago, we were we were actually a better team, but they invested and we didn't, and, and and that's what it comes down to. I think when you're at the top, you have to keep churning over the players, keep the investment going in. And I'm not saying that you go out and you buy, you spend two hundred every every window. I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. Mm. But you can't just have the same squad and expect to get the same results. No, I, I see what you mean. Um, it's been a difficult season for you guys, but if it is null and void, you can pretend it never happened. <laughs> I think that would be the best thing because we'd be in the Champions League. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you think not winning the final in the Champions League pay at all in the squad of Mauricio Pochettino? I don't know because I never lost a Champions League final. How are you guys finding the new, the new ground, do you think, the new stadium? Have, have you been there much? Yeah, I, I've been there um, quite quite a few times not not as many as i'd like i'm, I'm actually living in north norfolk at the moment so. right um but it's it's weird because it used to you have a 62,000 seat stadium it's going to be a tourist trap yeah. it's going to be i mean every every i mean i don't i don't care what club you are you look at old trafford and it's it's it seems very touristy as well and and, and i mean we have a, a very very talented south korean which means a lot of South Koreans come to, to, to England to see Sun play. And that's great because it fills out our stadium, but it does affect atmosphere because tourists don't really get the vibe and, mm. you know, they don't really sing. And it can be the atmosphere is, can be very, very bad, but then can, can be very good. But White Hart Lane was like that. And I think every stadium's like that. They, people get going when the, when, when the team gets going, you know? Yeah, I mean, I've not been there myself. I'm, I'm, I was really hoping to this season. Um, it but... is like a, as a piece of architecture and, and pure footballing brilliance. And you can tell that, that, that the, the architect team and, and Daniel Levy, whoever helped design the stadium, has done it with football in mind. And that's oh, yeah. a great thing. Not just a, a, you know, an Emirates or, or, or whatever, where it's just this kind of your, your, your IKEA kind of stadium, you know? Oh, of course. I, mean, I think it takes a while to settle into a new stadium. I mean, uh, funnily enough, I've, my friend who's a Tottenham fan, um, he's a season ticket holder, and he said that the best atmosphere that he's enjoyed at the new 
uh, White Hart Lane was actually when they all watched the Champions League final on a screen. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it was just one end full of really hardcore Tottenham fans. So that's the best atmosphere they've had there. Um, but it is a while. I mean, like I said, I haven't been to this, this ground, but I have been to West Ham's um, new stadium. And, oh, that's awful, isn't it? Oh, it's such a shame because I, I went along with my father-in-law. My father-in-law is kind of a man and boy West Ham fan. He grew up in, you know, the 70s, went to games in the 70s, the 80s at the Bolin ground. And going with him, you can just see there's a bit of heartbreak in him. You know, we're up in the nosebleed section. You can't really stand up. You can't make too much noise. There's people around you on phones, on tablets. And it's a shame. And and they've kind of got little areas, little pockets where it's full of fans stood up and singing. I've been there as an away fan, obviously, uh, to the new, and I've been to to the bowling ground as an away fan. And uh, and both of them, uh, I mean, the bowling ground, lovely, actual proper football stadium, you know, proper. And then I really, if, if I, uh, if I had anything positive to say, about on a pure footballing level, as a as a human compassion, I'm trying to be nice here about West Ham. Yeah. Um, is is I, I feel sorry because their their uh, owners definitely have, have sold their soul for a cheap, shitty stadium. Where where that gap that they have at the bowling ground, uh, not mm. the bowling ground, the London Stadium, where they they basically put the scaffold in bloody seats it, and then you have a little bridge. It's so it's awful, just really really bad. It's, but yeah, like it's... A, <laughs> well, you've you've certainly proved yourself to be a Tottenham fan, David. Uh, I mean, you run one of the biggest uh, podcasts going, but it, it doesn't matter about your credentials. You've got to face the ultimate Tottenham quiz. Uh, today's is provided once again by the guys at Children's BBC. Um, again it is a sudden death round Uh, sudden sudden death if you get one wrong that's it Uh, I believe our highest score is 6 out of 10 and uh, or was it 7 with Graham who knows anyway I think I've got enough now to get a leaderboard going so uh, question 1 Tottenham Hotspur's league game against Manchester United on May the 14th, 2017, was their last game to be played at which stadium? Is it Wembley Stadium or White Hart Lane? White Hart Lane. Do I like that? Correct. What is the name of the Tottenham Hotspur mascot? Is it Cor Krell, Cheap or Chirpy? Chirpy. Do I like that? Right, already I've got, <laughs> I've got a picture around. So okay. I'm going to send this over to you. What is the name of this player? Stephen Berwin. Do I like that? Correct. What position did Tottenham Hotspur finish in the 2018-19 Premier League season? 2017-18. Sorry, 18-19. Fourth. Do I like that? That is correct. Oh, my uh, God. I was, I was, like, panicking. I was like, Ashley. <laughs> no, you're all good. You're all good. Uh, right, what question one? Question five. So, already, you, right. you, you've beaten... You've, you're on level with Jacob Hawley, Arsenal, who I know you're going to want to beat. Which Spurs player made the most appearances in the 2018-2019 Premier League season? Is it Hugo Lloris, Christian Eriksen, or Toby Alderweireld? Toby Alderweireld. Yeah. Oh, Okay. Uh, don't fuck with me. Danny David, don't! Get round! No, don't! 
I'm afraid Blood it's all gone wrong there. <laughs> uh, it was Lorius, yeah. Uh, so four out of ten. You have finished on par with Jacob Hawley at Arsenal. Uh, do you know what? I thought it was Lorius, but it was a trick question because I know Lorius has had a few injuries in you know, the last recent years. And yeah. I always say that. I think a lot of people, they go wrong thinking it's a trick question. But you've got to remember that these websites are children's BBC. Oh, yeah. Not to make you feel any worse. <laughs> Yeah, but it. don't worry mate yeah. David don't worry because everybody takes part in the podcast and uh, has an attempt at the are you the ultimate fan quiz uh, comes away with a gift first of all we're in the middle of a hiatus at the moment of football and I thought if, if this if this break of football was a Tottenham player who would it be and the first player that comes to my head of not playing football for a long time is Darren Anderton well, yeah that's true so therefore you yeah. have got your very own Darren Anderton on his way to oh, the post that's, that's very nice thank uh, you in his uh, 97 I believe uh, kit there yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and again uh, apologies if you've already got this I can replace it but um, a lot of that quiz was about the 18-19 season so I've got you the away um, Tottenham shirt from that season well that's very nice thank you do you have that one already? No, I don't. I don't have that one. No. Uh, well, I've got this one for you. It's Kane on the back for you as well. Oh, lovely. Thank you. You, you can't do that. that. So uh, I'll, I'll get you. Really address. nice. That's all right. No problem at all. And uh, I'll get your address, obviously, when we're not on, on uh, recording a podcast, because I don't want you to get a load of hate mail from, uh, from Arsenal fans. Before we go, I want to hit you with one last fact. I've quickly just had a crawl through, and I think I've got a fact that you might not have. Okay. Okay. So uh, did you know that uh, the very day... In 1919, that Arsenal grabbed Tottenham's place in the first division. The club's pet parrot collapsed and died. The parrot had been a I gift. Know that. You did know that? From, from the South America tour, and uh, that's where the saying, sick as a parrot, comes from. I thought I had one there, David. <laughs> I thought I had one. Do you know what? I've been really smug on this podcast so far. I'm going, oh, oh did you not know this fact about your own club? <laughs> well, I, I've got them all here. And uh, today you've just, yep, yeah, you've knocked them out of the park. That was going to be my final fact. That is where the phrase sick as a parrot comes from. As a parrot from. comes from, yeah. And you've mugged me off on my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, seriously, David, thank you so much for, for doing That's this. It's been fun. I've really enjoyed it. A huge thank you once again to David Alfie Ward. Any a good laugh? He's a good lad. If you want to hear more from him, of course, the Fighting Cock podcast, you can stream that now. And you can find him on social media. Just search David Alfie Ward. He'll come up. He's on Twitter, for example, at David Alfie Ward. Now, this podcast was recorded during the lockdown. Therefore, the quality probably wasn't as good as it would be had we been in person. It was recorded over Zoom, through phones, etc. But that is the way of the world at the moment. And speaking of the way of the world, um, I wanted to share this extra bit that I recorded with David. Uh, he's doing something really nice during the lockdown. Now, hopefully you're listening to this in the far-off future where all this lockdown coronavirus bollocks is a thing of the past. But what David was doing during the lockdown, which I think is really commendable, is he was offering chats to help people with their mental health, offering to meet them online for a coffee. Have a listen to this. But I do a lot of stuff in like mental health and uh, try and help people open up. So I do these coffee meets where I chat over Zoom if somebody wants a coffee over Zoom and, and uh, just make sure that they're okay. Oh, brilliant. It's just on, on my social media, if um, you, you fancy a coffee meet, just message me on something and we'll sort it out, FaceTime on, on Instagram, whatever. It just what, what it is, is I, I noticed that a lot of people from like when I listen to the radio, like talk shows and stuff, have said that they've really missed uh, coffee shops. And I think mm. like we've got pubs covered because we've all been boozing at home and you know, <laughs> there's so many virtual pub quizzes and stuff like that. But I feel like sometimes just meeting your friends for a coffee is, is, is a big part of our society and uh, it's a big part of helping us with our mental health. 
so I decided if you want to, if you feel lonely or you just want to chat, I'll make a coffee and then, you know, we'll arrange a time and we'll just call, I'll call you. We'll drink the coffee and have a chat and, and then that's it. Really. Uh, Dave, that sounds like a fantastic thing to do. And it's a very important thing at the moment I th- to look after your mental health and keep the conversation going. Um, so all, all props to you for doing that, mate. It's a great cause. What a good bloke. As I said, find him on social media, find him on Twitter at David Alfie Ward. Send him some love. Send him some love. Speaking of love, you can always, uh, I'd really appreciate you subscribing to our podcast, uh, leaving us a review or dropping us an email. Just contact comedians talking about football at gmail.com. Otherwise, I'll see you for the next episode, which is Lou Fitz talking about Manchester City. Until then, do take care of yourself, guys, and I'll speak to you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.